What's up, everybody? I am Joshua, and welcome to this broadcast. And I'm actually kind of broadcasting this, not popping up and doing a live. I'm live on the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. I wonder how many of you actually know what multimedia broadcast even means. <laughs> I noticed that one of the ways that you can find out how something's trending or not is that you can look up the hashtag to see how popular it is and what I've come to find out most people do not know what multimedia broadcasting is and I'm okay with that but that has led to several different epiphanies I hope you guys are doing well today um, I'm gonna go over a couple really exciting things but speaking of multimedia broadcast that means it's podcast, it's radio, it's TV, it's social media, and believe it or not, this craziness gets transcribed and is published. So that's multimedia, and that's broadcasting. The publishing part is not so much broadcasting, but it is a piece of multimedia, and uh, it's something I like to do. In fact, all of the shows on our network are multimedia broadcasts, so if you come on the Live Mono Worldwide Broadcasting Network or Multimedia Broadcasting Network, um, this is done for you and it's kind of cool and there's a reason for it. There's a methodology behind it There's a reason it's not because I love to spend three hours with every broadcast and Doing the editing and all of that stuff. It has nothing to do with that But there's a strategic reason why it's also one of the things that I'm very passionate about teaching ministries and nonprofits and just basically people that want to get their message out to the world um so I want to go over really, really quick. There's like a list of things that I'm going to be, try to be laser focused and laser fast about this because I have work that I get to do, but this is burning a hole in me and I want to talk about it. But first things first, I want to thank you all for your prayers. Uh, your prayers have been um, felt and needed. Um, as you guys know, I've talked about two months ago, was going over some health issues that I was dealing with and by the way, how does my mic sound? I'm playing around with something. Is my mic okay? Can you help me out there? I'm going to continue talking, and if, even if it's terrible, and I'll make an adjustments if somebody tells me that. Um, but two months ago, I had, had the crazy, crazy health scare uh, to the point that I had to go get a biopsy. And, of course, that biopsy took three weeks to get back. But while I was in Oklahoma, I got the, the results of that uh, biopsy and um, found out that I do not have lymphoma cancer. Thank God. Uh, I was a little terrified, but at the same time, I knew God was not done with me yet. Uh, thank you, Dr. Henry. I appreciate that. But I found out that um, I had a, uh, it's basically a blood infection, and it was causing me a lot of different problems, and, and the infection seeped through hair follicles and caused that crazy breakout, that the after effect, it's better now, it's still on my neck, but I mean, I, I'm still kind of covered in it. Um, but very, very fortunate not to have cancer, and what I have is um, definitely curable. And but I want to thank. I, I'm. I'm. It's funny because at first when it happened, I was blaming. I was blaming the um, the vaccine that I took, and the vaccine I took is what brought all of this to a head. 
And listen, I'm not a fan of vaccines at all, but I'm not going to sit here and preach about them, and I'm not going to go conspiracy on anybody. But this vaccine, I had the worst reaction. Uh, hi, is it? How do you say your name? Is it Celis? Is that how you say your name? Thank you. Good to hear you. I wish I knew how to say your name. Thank you, Doctor Henry. But um, this, I had a, a allergic reaction to the vaccine. But fortunately for me. It's kind of funny because the, the, the vaccine itself, that reaction, actually exposed something that was wrong and had been wrong that I didn't know about. So I'm really, really grateful for that. So I'm grateful to be cancer-free. Um, but I want to talk about something that's come on my heart, and I don't know how it's going to happen, but one of the things that happened when I was gone, I was gone for two weeks. I had the opportunity to film a pilot TV show. Really excited about this. I'm excited for you guys to see it. Uh, it's totally different uh, than anything I've ever done, but it's a childhood dream uh, to be able to combine two of my passions and, and, and put it into one thing. But there was that, but then going back to my old church, I got to hear Dr. Henry speaking of, Got to hear Dr. Henry uh, talk while we were there. And being in that setting around the guys of, and, and women from My Brother's Keeper, and then also just being around my pastor, reignited a fire in me that I completely just dismissed. I, had, I guess I can't say I dismissed a fire, but the fire had gone out. I had decided that you know I wasn't going to do Gratitude Unfiltered anymore, and I... You know, I just kind of got, I just wasn't feeling led to talk, and I didn't want to do lives, I didn't want to come broadcast, I didn't want to do any of that. Um, like, I didn't want to talk, unless if I really felt had something on my heart to talk about. And I wanted to focus on other people, and I've loved every second of it, and I still do. I love serving. Having the opportunity to serve uh, with our nonprofit Live Mono Worldwide Foundation, um, and the work we do there and the work we do with our sister organizations, I, I love it. But there's there's a but, there's a big but. Um, I've been waiting for the time that it was, it was it was time for me to start speaking and teaching again and started start talking about in more detail what saved me, what took me from a life of you know six times in jail, HIV, um, you know, multiple traumas, mental health uniqueness, um, you know, all of it. I, I, my testimony is out there. You can Google it. And we're not going to go into detail about it right now. Um, it's not really the, the time for that. But I'm always happy to share my testimony. Don't get me wrong. I love sharing my testimony. It's like the most powerful thing in the world. But I've been waiting for God to say when. And one of the things that I've really, really learned in my journey with walking with the Lord is that obedience, you know, they're, they're not just how important obedience is, but their seasons are not always comfortable. Seasons are sometimes are, are miserable because especially if you're in a waiting or a resting season, I'm not the best rester. I'm not the best at uh, just chilling and waiting. I'm very, very impatient. Because for most of my life, I just said, well, screw it, I'm going to go do it. And in this case, um, I've learned that not waiting on God and not being obedient usually leads to all the wrong things. So I've been waiting. 
being back at Word of God Church and um, being around the guys and, and the men and women of that program and Dr. Henry and my pastor, Pastor Phil Castillo, who you can see on the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network, um, it lit a fire underneath me. And when I got back, the, as I was flying back to Minnesota from Oklahoma and being with my family, because being around my family also really stirred it back up in me too. But Jessica got a vision. And I'm, not, I'm very careful about sharing visions because I think that we have to protect those. And we have to be very, very careful about what we speak out loud because words have power. And at the same time, words have the ability, um, you know, you don't want to let the enemy know your plans, so to speak. That said, um, I am feeling very strongly that it's time for me to start teaching again and, 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 and speaking on a more frequent basis. With that said, and with having a nonprofit in place, uh, Live Model Worldwide Foundation, it's um, it's become abundantly clear that it's time to start a ministry. And this has been a ministry the whole time. I mean, serving as a ministry. Ministry is not church. Ministry is not standing behind a pulpit and talking at people. I refuse to do that. One of the things that I had, you know, had kind of been telling myself and really felt like I was in agreement with God about was that one of the things that was necessary for me to want to do this was I don't want to just be behind a microphone and a computer screen. Relationships are key. People are important. People need to feel like they're a part of something now. People need to feel or people get to feel that they're important and that they matter. People get to know that no matter how far gone that they are, that there's hope. There's a way out. And I think, you know, one of the, the beauties of being able to broadcast on all mediums, again, TV, radio, podcast, social media, published articles, published blogs, is that you can reach a lot of people. But just like with any, you know, with being online, it's very, very convenient. And what do we do with things that are convenient? Things that are convenient are easy to turn off. And you have to play a lot of different games to keep people engaged. And I don't think that that's necessarily the way forward. Even though I do believe in the power of media. Media is the most powerful medium in the world. But people matter. Community matters. And... You know, I've had this vision for what, you know, Live Mono Worldwide Foundation is going to do. And this is very, very much a part of it. You know, outside of teaching youth and, and ministries how to, to monetize their message and how to take their intellectual property and their, their voice and get it and, and get their voice heard through all mediums. And again, being able to monetize that, especially in a world where we don't know how limited we are going to be with uh, with how many people can sh be in the building at the same time, like gatherings, social gatherings. You know, they're fewer and far between. Less and less people are able to, to get together in certain states. It's, there's been complete shutdowns. But 
we have to within the rules of what we're with within the rules of what we're given for every state that we live in um you know there's there's a solution you know that i learned this working in healthcare for 18 years medicare is going to make a lot of rules the medicare is going to they're going to they're going to put all of these restrictions and requirements on patients to qualify for the things that they want what's up virginia good to see you and they're going to make those rules but from what i learned in the 18 years of fight insurance companies on behalf of disabled people is that there's always a way there's always a way and you know i'm very very passionate about the youth program i have and and being able to to teach people what i know i'm very very passionate about that but one of the things also that is important to me is community and in and creating multiple communities around the world and for people that were just like me people that were you know sex addicts and abusers and the abused and and the and the the the, multi, and the failed marriages and the failed fathers and the, the 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 I think I said druggies, but the sex addicts, the the people, the prostitutes, the killers, the drug dealers, like all of those people, they're not walking into church. They're not walking into church, and so yeah, you can get your message out online, you can put it out through TV, you can do all of that, but again, is there any accountability? Is there any? I feel safe. Can you create an, an, an environment that's safe for people online through multimedia? Can you? Well, maybe. You know, there's groups and there's communities. But at the same time, like, who wants to have sex with a robot? No one. So essentially, broadcasting and talking to a screen is essentially the same thing. Probably a bad analogy, but bear with me for a second. People want human interaction, and even if it's socially distanced, being able to feel the energy between two people, whether they're six feet apart, maybe let's just cheat and do five and a half feet, but that ability to, to, to be in community is important to me. And again, there's a lot of places you can't do that for now. And while I think that traditional church is dead, or it's going away, it's definitely evolving, a lot of people are going really, really heavy on the digital front. And again, I know how important it is. It's why I have a network. That said, community matters. So part of this stepping out and, and, and really kind of evolving um, it's really not even evolving the Model Worldwide Foundation because it's always been a ministry. But it's time for my ministry to start again. But this time, very, very much more focused. Not as frequent, not doing six days a week, none of that stuff. But it's important that I do what I'm called to do. And I really feel the burning in my heart to share the word of God the way I understand it. And look, I'm not a biblical scholar. A community is kingdom. Wow. That's so good. I think we talked about that today, Dr. Henry. And in Minnesota right now, we can still, you know, have community. You can't go to restaurants, but for now you can go to churches and mosques and things like that. But I'm believing God 
to provide our first building. And um, I'm believing God that it's, I believe this, I feel the conviction in my heart, I have the confirmation that it's time. And, but I don't want to, when this ministry restarts, it, it's not going to look like church. And again, I want to be careful about sharing my vision too much, but how much more welcoming is a place where you have the opportunity to come and interact? I mean, have you ever been to a church service with a pastor? And again, I'm not a where the pastor actually talks with the congregation. There's a back and forth. There's dialogue. There's there's questions asked. There's support. I hadn't been ever. I've never even seen it on TV. But one day, I interrupted church, something you're not supposed to do. Because, you know, religion says that. You sh- shut up and listen to the preacher. Like, how many of you have been to church and they say, <laughs> your parents go, you need to shut up in church and be quiet and listen. Like, and, you know, like that's, I, I had that beat in my head. But maybe that's because I grew up a Baptist. I don't know. But one day I interrupted church. I'll never forget it. I just like, I, I, could, I couldn't not say anything. And I stopped what they were doing, and I asked a question, because I needed to know. Because I needed to know in that moment the answer to my question, because that answer to my question was the difference of me going out that night and tying one off and not. But what broke out of that experience was something I will also never forget, because other people got involved. And other people started asking questions. And when somebody didn't have an answer or necessarily a clear answer, there was another, or didn't understand the answer that was given, there was another perspective that was brought in. And then that person understood. I remember feeling so satisfied. And I said, what if church was always like that? What if church was interactive? What if church also had everything in place for people in need to get what they need, not just spiritually fed, but also physically fed, physically clothed. What if it could look like that? And I start thinking about, you know, I'm pretty good at connecting the dots. And I, again, you know, my, the visions that I get are usually so far in advance that, you know, I don't even know what to do with today sometimes because it's like, okay, well, yeah, that's great, God. I see your promise from like, you know, I've learned that sometimes they're years away. Very rarely are they immediate. But, you know, it's like, okay, well, crap, I don't know what to do. Because, I mean, like, I'm future tripping most of the time. But what like, what would happen if, if you could do this? And so, as I'm sitting here thinking about the Live Mono Worldwide Foundation and all of the different groups that we've partnered with, so such a blessing to think about like we just started this organization and we've been able to partner with elevation church we have caring hearts in action minnesota and then all of these other little little churches from around minnesota that we have partnered with in various ways and through that we've been able to provide a lot of resources not just clothes not just books 
not just food, not even just fellowship. We've helped people get into housing. It's funny. It's also funny. It kind of takes me back to something. Like, nothing you do in your life, I mean, sometimes you're disobedient, but like everything has purpose. For 18 years working with complex disabilities and fighting insurance companies and always having to find a way to be able to provide this $20,000 piece of equipment, fifteen, but it was necessary, $5,000, $20,000, even $50,000 for some of this equipment that is necessary to allow some of these people with complex disabilities just to live a relatively normal life. You have to get really creative fighting. You have to you know, be resourceful. It's all about finding a solution. Like, that has been, that work has helped me more doing the things that I get to do every day now. It has no tie-in to the entertainment business or even ministry necessarily. But it's about finding solutions for people. And I'm frankly sick and tired of being talked at at church. Someone's calling me. I'm sick and tired of being talked at at church. Also, I'm sick and tired. And look, I go to a great church here. And I miss my church at Word of God uh, in Oklahoma City. I was so happy to be back there. But that church is not what people need. I can't speak for everybody. But I don't feel love when I go to church. I feel the Holy Spirit. I love the messages that I get to hear. But I'm also not broken right now. But you know what? I miss people. I miss connection. I really don't like, and I'm not going to say the name of the church I go to here, but I don't like the fact that it feels like a fashion show. Like, the very first thing I did when I went to that church is like, I want to serve. How can I get involved? And like, I made sure they knew my testimony so that, that they would know. Oh, I'm going to address your question. I'm keeping this screen here. But like, there's no, even though I've been healed by the Lord and I'm not the man that I used to be, it's interesting how my testimony is in a way kind of kept me from getting opportunities to serve in this church. How the freak is that? How is that? Like, how many people walk into a church and the very first thing they do go, I want to serve, I want to make a difference? I didn't ask to start speaking. I didn't ask to preach. I didn't ask to be in the choir. They don't have a choir. I didn't ask to be in the band. I want to serve. I said, I'll even clean your freaking floors. I'll do whatever. Nothing. That bothers me. And you know what? I remember going to AA meeting. I, I Some of you will remember this live I did. I had the, the meth relapse two years ago. And then I went on the air and talked about it the next day. <laughs> that was fun. Um, but one of the things that I remembered about the AA meeting, and Kim, I'm coming to your question. I'm leaving this up here for a reason. 
but one of the things that I remember about this AA meeting that was so powerful, and I don't like I don't like those meetings. That's not for me. But one thing they did right is those people will chase you down and make sure you have a phone number, make sure you're loved, make sure you're not alone. They will not let you escape without a phone number. What if church did that? Some of these churches are so big, there is no way. You th- Well, there's not no way. There is a way. I'm sorry, but if you pass around a card or tell me to text something to be able to give you my contact information and someone will follow up, I'm not real comfortable with that. But even when I've done it, no one's called me anyway. How many other people has that happened to? But the AA meetings, they chase you down. Their people chase you down and will not let you escape without a phone number. So let's talk about mental health. I, I'm so happy you asked this question. I've navigated life, you know, borderline personality disorder, DID, which is multiple personality disorder. And I've learned how to, I've learned how to function at a really high level like this. Um, and it's a trip. Some of you have met my other characters and just maybe didn't know it. Some of you have. It's really interesting to see the comments sometimes because some of you do recognize when I've switched. But um, it, it's fewer and far, for, further, fewer and far between. By the way, you should probably pray for Jessica because Jessica has been the first person to fully embrace and love all of the different people that live inside of me. <laughs> and they all love Jesus except one. Anyway. And that's the one that we keep away. But mental health. Mental health, typically, not everyone that has suffers with mental health issues or uniqueness is an addict. Some, a lot of it comes from abuse. Some of it is they're just born that way. But the mental health aspect, and I know there's a lot of churches that have different programs and stuff like that. But what does it look like to be able to sit there at a table or in a congregation. And I know that there's, you know, it can create for a very unique and unusual environment. You have people that are bipolar and that have multiple personality disorder or borderline personality disorder or severe depression or, you know, they're hyperactive. And But what does it look like to welcome all of them to the same table, to the same area, to be able to be free, to be themselves, and to talk, and to know. Not to be talked at to know they're loved, but like an AA meeting where I know there's no crosstalk, but, you know, we'll, we'll figure out those rules. But, but what does it look like when you feel safe? What does it look like if there's a safe environment for you to be able to say, you're perfect the way you are. You're not mentally disabled. You're not mentally ill. You're mentally unique. What if I told you that dyslexia was a superpower? What if I told you? What if I told you ADHD was a superpower? What if I told you that multiple personality uniqueness, I'm not saying that other word with a D, what if I told you it was a gift? The more right that I've gotten with the Lord, and when I say more right, I'm just meaning that it's a journey. Like I'm far, I think I'm 
I think I mentally told someone to go F themselves today. I didn't say it out loud, but I thought about it. And, uh, <laughs> and what preacher admits that? Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I know I'm pretty sure in the last month I've said it out loud too. Um, <laughs> but it's been a gift for me. Yeah, it's caused for some really crazy, interesting times in my life, but it's been a gift. And sometimes our just reframing what's going on in our life, that makes it a superpower. Jason Cisneros is the first person to tell me, like, you're not broken. And he helped me reframe mental illness to mental uniqueness and realizing that I am perfect the way that God made me. But how many people walk into church and feel more alone when they leave than when they they got there, before they got there? How many people lo- like want help, but at the same time are intimidated by going into a church and just being like, I understand it's the word of God, but when you're just throwing the Bible at people... Are we keeping people from really understanding what it is? There's so many people out there that don't know what kingdom really is. The kingdom of God. That's why Dr. Henry Caroline, Pastor Carlos, uh, Dr. Ruth, that's why we c- we're creating this course. And by the way, this is not a normal course. I am so, we, Dr. Henry and I talked today, I am so pumped about this, like what we're, what we are going to do with this is going to be so freaking awesome and so different. Like when you understand that the kingdom of God is inside of you, you quit giving a crap what other people think. You quit being scared. You quit trying to be, live somebody else's life. You just live your own. And you just learn to just accept These little things that used to hang you up and the little things that you would judge yourself about. These little things that you would, that would take you out of the game because you would be looking at somebody else going, God, I wish I had their life. No, you don't. Because you weren't created to live that life. You were created to live the life that you live now. So what does a church look like? Does it even have to be called church? If I could find another word for church, I'd do it. I'd love to find another name for a church. Um, really quick. Good to see you, John Richter. I will respond to your email, I promise. I love you too. Hi, Rebecca. Good to see you. So I'm here understanding that I have this burning desire to change the way church has been done. When I was doing Gratitude Unfiltered all the time, and when I say all the time, six days a week, um, I wanted a building. I wanted people. I didn't have my own church. And this may not even be my own thing. It could be a partnership with other ministries. Because, you know, me staying in one place is probably not going to happen. But creating a culture and creating an environment, even creating the space for other people to be able to step into this. Because there's a lot of people out there that have ministries inside of them that are not Bible scholars. Did you know that sharing your testimony is preaching, basically? 
it's teaching the word of God, your testimony, teaching how you overcame, teaching how you got through. But the way that you stay fresh and the way that you that you continue to grow is when you aren't so you aren't feeling so teacherish and like okay I know what's going on but you humble yourself to say you know what I'm really struggling with porn I'm really struggling with lust I'm really struggling with drug addiction or like this the drug cravings have creeped up and being able to say that like what does it look like to have leaders that are willing to say I'm struggling with this the devil's attacking my mind with these images of all of my old exploits. What does it mean when you have a leader, somebody that you look at as a leader, someone that you look at as the preacher, someone that's the speaker, what does it look like when they are vulnerable enough to say, can you pray for me about this? What does it do? Does it change the way you look at the preacher, teacher? Does it? Or does it make you respect them more? I know there's so many people. What's up, Daniel? There's so many people that are out there right now. Again, they have ministries inside of them. But they're like, well, I'm not qualified because I don't know the Bible. I don't have a Bible verse. I, I listen to the Bible. Here's, the, here's what I've learned. I can't, I've not been able to learn like memorized verses. But what I've learned is verses will come through me when I talk sometimes not like the word for word but then again do we really really know that that was word for word the way it was written in the Bible anyway because it's kind of been edited a few times there's a little there's a lot of translations of it but the word of God is true it's powerful and the more it gets inside of you the more alive it becomes because it changes your life it changes everything I think if more people knew who Jesus really was instead of this religious bullcrap that gets thrown at people all the time, the judging, oh, the judging, even even the criticism of other Christians, like Christians are not on the same page. How do you expect the rest of the world to get on the same page? It's because Christians are religious. This religious spirit that struck the church and this these rules and way of doing things and the judgment and the you're not doing this right or you're not holy enough, you don't sing loud enough, you don't worship right, you don't If the kingdom of God is inside of you, doesn't that mean it's a personal journey? It's a personal relationship with the Lord. It's a personal walk with the Lord. It's a personal journey. The kingdom, you know, accessing the kingdom of heaven is a personal journey. Your cousin can't help you access the kingdom of God. Your pastor is not helping you access the kingdom of God. You may learn some tricks, or you may learn some tools, or you may learn some things that help you. Is it really? Can someone else really help you access the kingdom of God? You can't. Because it's a personal, it's a personal 
relationship. Community is important because community brings people that are kingdom-minded. And when you're kingdom-minded, kingdom-focused, and you are living out the kingdom life, you are in your purpose. And when you are in your purpose, then you're able to step into and become part of the body of Christ. And it takes everyone working together to be able to go where you're supposed to go collectively. But it is an individual, personal relationship. And you got to meet people where they're at. What was true when I first gave my life to the Lord is there's a lot that's not the same. Things and attitudes I had or beliefs that I had before, it changed because of a personal relationship. Because, you know, I allowed the Holy Spirit to convict me, to correct me. But if anyone else came to me and said, you're not doing this right, you're doing that wrong, or any of that stuff. If any of that had been done, I would have said, screw you, and gone the other way. Or how many people are like that? Anybody? I know I was. But when we truly, truly seek a relationship with the Lord, we open ourselves up for the Holy Spirit to convict us and guide us and correct us. And that, my friends, is how you unlock all of your God-given superpowers. And it's amazing. So here's how this is going to look. I'm not sharing everything. But Live Wide Foundation is leadership. And we have lots of things underneath the production company, um, the you know now launching a ministry that i have a name for it and i'm excited but underneath that ministry gratitude unfiltered is 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 very much still alive but gratitude unfiltered um is now a youth program and i'm excited about that and everybody that we work with and 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 that comes under the that that we work with and this is ministries or again nonprofits or the youth you know, we're going to teach them everything that they need moving forward into the new world. And 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 <laughs> there's a lot more there than most realize because we're not going back to the way things were. In fact, things are going to look a different in 2021 than today. It's not to be about it's not to scare anybody. Because God's promises are true. Your purpose doesn't change because of an epidemic, a pandemic, or a change of president. Um, even even a, a, a change in the way that the country or the world does business. It doesn't change your purpose. So we're teaching all of that. And we're so blessed now that we have, I think, eight different ministries underneath live model worldwide and it's exciting and it's exciting to be one of those ministries that are coming to be a part of it all i want to do is serve and at the same time a big part of the service the big part of what drives me 
is knowing that there was people out there like me that were addicted to sex, addicted to, well, I shouldn't say I was addicted to sex. I was addicted to drugs and sex because I didn't do drugs without wanting to have sex with everything that walked and I didn't have sex without wanting to do drugs. All the failed relationships, losing my kids, jail six times, getting HIV, multiple overdoses, being abused and becoming an abuser, all of it, prostituting myself, buying prostitutes, being wasteful and arrogant with money, being homeless. If God can take all of that and use it for good, what can he do for you? And what can we do by creating, creating the environment where a prostitute can walk in the door and know she's loved? What, what does it look like to create an environment where a gangbanger can walk in and feel love, real love for the first time? What does it look like to have a church or a ministry that equips people for the future to be able to provide for themselves? What does it look like to have all of that? <laughs> yeah, I have hair now. <laughs> what does it look like? So, one, just to recap, thank you for all the prayers. Thank God I don't have cancer. I'm not real happy about this blood infection, but nonetheless, it's not cancer, so praise God. And I would just ask also that, you know, that you please keep me in your prayers moving forward because this fire is burning inside of me to not I should say just start because it is going to be a new ministry it's not gratitude unfiltered it's going to be something else and I have the name for it and I'm excited about it because of what it means but I would appreciate your prayers because this is something I'm very very passionate about and it's something that that I'm going to do I am doing and God's going to provide but your prayers, your support, your partnerships, they all matter. And everything that we do here is meant to be global. Not just from a broadcasting side, but we will duplicate. Because church is changing. And there's people out there that it's not just the broken there's people out there that have misconceptions about who God is, and that gets to change. There's people that have misconceptions about who Jesus is, and that gets to change. All right, I'm done. You guys have a blessed day. Bye-bye.